0: The more you want someone to change and the more you are pulling for them to change, the more you'll be tempted to put too much pressure on yourself regarding your role in the change process. For all of you who care for, care for others, all of you who are discipling, spouses and parents and, and children not just biblical counselors and pastors but all Christians who are truly trying to practically live out the two great commandments of loving God and loving others you are helping people through whatever it is that they are struggling with or asking about and if you're not careful you can put too much pressure on yourself and so here is something that I want you to I want you to highlight in your mind If a person wants to change, that person can change in spite of your inadequacies. The grace of God is more vital than your strengths and your weaknesses or their hopelessness and their resistance. Welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Your Daily Drive, and if you want to read this podcast, I would love you to do that. I am Rick Thomas, and you can go to rickthomas.net. The title of the podcast, The Sobering Truth for Why Some People Do Not Change. I want to speak very plainly and directly to you, for those of you who make excuses about not changing, and then for those of you who are on the other side of the table, you're bringing discipleship care, the pressure that you put on yourself when someone is not changing, and that does include you parents as well. I want to get into this in just a moment, but I want to—there's been a few people that have written into us the last couple of days, and they've been asking questions, and they're good questions, and so I thought, well, it would be good to share with you what they're asking and how you can benefit from what they're asking— Two people, uh, one person wrote in and another one called. The person who wrote in asked how uh, he could use my book, Change Me, in his prison ministry. And then the person who called in said that they were using our resources in his prison ministry. The person who called was Bill. Bill is a supporter of our ministry, and he's been using our resources for a while. And he was talking to Lucia, and he was encouraging her and letting her know just some of the ways that the Lord is helping people through this ministry. And two of those those two individuals have something to do with a prison/jail slash jail ministry and they're using our resources to help inmates. So the book Change Me is the perfect discipleship book for inmates. Is perfect for the rest of us as well because I wrote that book as a as a guide for anyone who wants to work through, who wants to grow. Uh, in their Christ-likeness, wants to keep maturing in their progressive sanctification. It is a book on how to change, and that's why I titled it that way, Change Me, the Ultimate Life Change Handbook. And then Cece, one of our Mastermind students, asked today if she could use our case studies. We have 48 case studies that our students go through during their online biblical counseling course. Those case studies are available on our website, and you can access them. But uh, Cece was asking if she could use them in her Sunday school class, and the answer is yes and amen. Others have done that in the past, and, and that is something that you can do too if you want to my point here is I, I want you to know that our resources God is using our resources far and wide whether they are going into the prisons or or going into the sunday school classes God is taking our resources into our prisons and he is breaking the things that bind us and bringing light to our souls and releasing us from our our bondage whether it's physical or or spiritual and so you You be creative, too, if you want to use our resources. Obviously, people use them personally all the time. Someone wrote in, another person wrote in today, and they said they had been reading our resources for years. A lady also wrote in today, and she listened to a recent podcast and said that she was crying as she was going through the podcast i want you to know that i want you to to hear what the lord is doing in in people's lives by the way you're you're welcome to write in and share those stories yourself if you wish we do have a page on our website called testimonies it's under the about link in the navigation bar maybe sometime you can stop by there there are 100 hundreds upon hundreds of short testimonies from what people have said through the years as as God has impacted their lives through this ministry. Now let's talk about the sobering truth by uh, for why some people do not change and I do want to talk to 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 the folks on each side of the table, the counselor and the lead, the person who is providing care, the disciple maker, and the person who is receiving the care. And I want to begin by sharing a story of the counselor and the counselee, primarily Biff, who came to counseling with his wife, and he talked about the problems in his life, and he listed several reasons why he was not changing. Here it is. He said that his, if his wife repented, he believed that, that he could change He talked about why his children were also part of the problem, then he shared about his employer and his finances, and even talked about how his wife's parents were problems also. And then he went on to list reasons why he was spiritually stagnant. From listening to him, there appeared to be a lot of things working against him. And he later added one more. He felt like in his previous counseling experience that it could have been better. And based on some of the things that he said, even though the other, the counselor was not there sharing his side of the story, but just from Bill, Biff's perspective, it did seem, now I didn't tell him this, but it did seem that his former counselor could have done a better job. Sometimes you just don't say everything that you're thinking and that would not serve Biff because he, he he had already justified himself from every possible angle including his previous counseling experience. And then of course on the other side of the table is the counselor. And it isn't that the way it is with all of us who do so care. We're not perfect disciple makers we do have our inadequacies any caring counselor will be aware of their deficiencies some of which will be real while others are not disciple makers rarely jump into the ditch of undercaring and and apathy disinterest it, caring disciple-makers, if they're going to fall into the ditch, it's going to be the ditch of over-caring and over-examination of, well, I could have done this, and I should have done that, and I wish I had not done that. Pastors, small group leaders, disciplers, counselors, they feel their weaknesses and their inadequacies, and the more they long for someone to change— the more they will sense their flaws, even if they create some that aren't real. The counselor lives in the fluid tension of what they could have done better and, it, and the excuse-making of the person they are helping, as Biff is doing in his little story. Practically working through this problem that I am presenting of the counselor and the counselee, the excuse-making counselee, and the over-examining counselor, well, to work through this, you have to begin with understanding and trusting the transformative power of God's grace. I want to illustrate God's unmerited favor, which is another way of talking about God's grace. By 1984, I, Rick, had lived one quarter of a century. At 25 years of age, my journey up to that point was devoid of a relationship with God. It was devoid of an awareness of who God was, what he was about, what he required of me. I did not know the Lord, I did not know his word, I did not know his people. And though my life wasn't a total wreck, it would be accurate to say that I had gone from dysfunction to dysfunction. Some people go from strength to strength. I went from dysfunction to dysfunction. I was not in deep despair. I wasn't in an impossible ordeal. I was just a regular Joe working a regular job experiencing ordinary discontentment. A friend, by the way, his name was Rick also, he appealed to me to become a Christian. To say it the way he said it, he said I was going to hell. You are going to hell, that is a quote. And though I knew what he was asking, I knew what he was saying, I did not know how to follow through with his advice, and he did not show me the way to Christ. You're talking about, it it wasn't that he undercared. He definitely didn't overcare. He wasn't stressed about it, and he didn't undercare. He just made a very blank statement, you're going to hell. And so he didn't show me the way to Christ. He just told me that I needed him, but it was enough to motivate me to make my way to a Christian bookstore to buy some books about the Bible since I didn't understand God's Word, I, op- I did go home and open up my Sunday School Bible. I started where you always start any book at Genesis. But eventually, within three chapters, it began to make no sense to me. And so what I did is I went to a bookstore and I, I found some books. And at some point, one of the authors from one of those books showed me how to become a Christian. I repented of my sins. God regenerated me and I was born from above by the power of God because of the grace that he gave me to repent. You must understand where I was at this point in the story. Literally, I was living in a double-wide mobile home on a country road that had no painted lines. Read, or hear rather, remote in that sentence. I was remote geographically, I was remote from God, I was remote from the community. I had no knowledge of the Bible. It was in a back bedroom, in a double-wide mobile home, beside a nondescript country road, where God intervened in my life and birthed me into his family. God adopted me on that day. And it all happened without knowing a single Bible verse. Perhaps you have had a similar story. Maybe God found you in some desolate place, restored you to him, and set you on his path as a Christ follower. The grace of God can do this for anyone. God can make a way where there seems to be no way. So, as you listen to Biff with his long list of excuses, and there will be legitimacy sprinkled throughout his excuses, you must never forget that God's grace is more powerful, vital, profound, transformative. No matter what a person says, and that's the point of my story, a nondescript country road in a remote part of North Carolina, distant from God, his community with no knowledge of the Bible, and boom, God regenerates me. Because it does not matter where you are or what your circumstances are. God's grace is more than sufficient for what is happening to you. If you are not changing like Biff, be careful where you place the burden of change. You must not put it primarily on God or any of his messengers. You can change if you want to. I had no human messenger helping me find God. In time, the Lord led me to a local church. He gave me a desire that I never had in my life, a desire to be with his people. He gave me a desire and persevering grace to keep trudging through his word year by year. The day after God regenerated me, I lusted after a female co-worker and felt something odd in my soul. I was experiencing convicting grace. I had never felt wrong for lusting after women. After the Spirit of God came inside me, things began to change incrementally. Don't miss or don't dismiss your responsibility I have heard testimony after testimony from people who had attended bad churches or bad counselors or bad schools or bad jobs, and their situation only worsened. Many times things will not improve when you're in a bad situation, but in these illustrations, each time they place the weight of the fault on their external circumstances. Now, while I understand the complexities that other people and other churches and other individual institutions can bring to our lives, God's grace is more than sufficient for the things we go through, no matter what they are or who the perpetrators are. I watched the pallbearers lower my drunken dad dead into the ground and my Anger toward him at that moment was at an all-time high. I've buried two brothers 10 years apart after their brutal murders, and I've wept many times over the foolishness of their deaths. You too have had similar stories of heartbreak, disappointment, and disillusionment. Even still, you can testify that God's grace was sufficient for you during your harshest times. Did you ever come through those times smelling like a rose? Probably not. Do you still struggle occasionally with the cruelty of those things? Probably. I do too. If I talk long enough about parts of my past, I will cry. But that does not mean God's grace was not or is not sufficient for you or me. Some of my favorite quotes on suffering is from the old-time believer Samuel Rutherford. I want to share four of his quotes with you right now. Samuel Rutherford said, You will not get leave or steal quietly to heaven in Christ's company without a conflict and a cross. He said, Oh, what owe I, to the file, to the hammer, to the furnace of my Lord Jesus. At another time, Samuel Rutherford said, why should I be alarmed at the plow of my Lord that makes deep furrows on my soul? I know he is no idle husbandman. He purposes a crop. And then lastly, number four, he says, I hope to overhope. And overbelieve my troubles. You, you could say he's talking about the grace of God that allows you to do that. I would never in a million years minimize your pain or your suffering, but I would never marginalize the grace of God that he offers you during your troubles. The point of God's grace is not primarily to change your circumstances, life change. In the context of this podcast, that's another issue. The purpose of God's grace is not to make you feel good about what you are going through or or what you have gone through. That too is another issue. The point of God's grace is sufficiency, to sustain you through your troubles. You can gauge yourself to see how you are responding to God's sustaining grace by how you react to what is happening into your life now. Perhaps you are going through something currently, then gauge God's sustaining grace. Maybe everything's well with you now, and you, can, you need to look back on some difficulty in your past. How do you think about it? How do you talk about it? The result of what you perceive about your soul and your trouble is a dead giveaway as to how God's grace is functioning in you. Of course, when you discern how God's grace is functioning in your life, make sure you're not looking for the perfection of it. You won't find it. What you are looking for is the presence of God's grace, because here's what will happen with some of you you'll look at your current trouble and God's grace is definitely sustaining you but you will you have perfectionistic tendencies or you're you're too introspective or too worrisome or too anxious about about things and so you will overexamine and 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 miss out miss seeing the grace of God that is sustaining you And so I'm not talking about the perfection of God's grace to where you're just leaping across the mountaintops at all times. No, I'm talking about the presence of God's grace, even when you are crawling along the valley floor. Is God's grace present in your life? What I'm asking is whether God is sustaining you through your ordeal, not are you acting like Christ every waking moment of your trial? I'm also not asking if he is changing your circumstances or making them more palatable so that you can be more comfortable. I'm just asking a very basic question. If you are incrementally changing, no matter how slow, for the better because of God's grace. Let me give you three grace tests to, to illustrate that. I'll give you three different situations just to help flesh this out in your own mind. Perhaps you have, here's number one, perhaps you have worked or you are working for a company that is affecting your attitude. Maybe your employer is legitimately in the wrong. You are critical of your employer. You are becoming divisive on the job. You are sinning. If that is the case, God's grace is not sustaining you. While there may be something legitimately wrong with your employer, and it would be great if things changed, the vital point at this juncture is why God's grace is not sufficient for you. Why aren't you changing, growing, maturing through this trial? Minimally, why are you not sinning? Well, why are you um, uh, why are you why are you not able to keep from sinning is what i'm trying to ask here's a second illustration perhaps you went to a christian college where you experienced things that you did not agree with at the time i live in greenville south carolina i live about 20 minutes from bob jones university i've been in greenville south carolina since 1986 it's been a long time and i've been a christian that whole time i've been a christian counselor most of that time and one of the, the primary one of the larger demographics or groups of people that I've interacted with are alumni of, of Bob Jones University. And again, they were in counseling, so that means they had problems. And the overwhelming majority of them would look back on their time at Bob Jones University with a critical negative spirit not realizing what they're doing. They're doing exactly what Biff is doing at the head of this podcast, blaming things externally rather than growing because of the transformative grace of God, regardless of what they went through and regardless of where the blame, where we're going to put the blame, whether it's on the institution or on them. So this illustration is perhaps you went to a Christian college where you experienced things that you did not agree with at the time. Maybe you were correct in your assessments. Most certainly, it it means the people who ran the college were imperfect. But rather than living in God's grace, you, you become bitter, cynical, resentful when you think about your time on campus. Why is God's grace not sufficient for this? Here's a third illustration. Perhaps your spouse is a disappointment to you. Your response to your spouse is distance, apathy, unkind words. If the grace of God were sustaining you in your marriage, you would be regularly repenting of your sinful attitudes and behaviors, and though your spouse may not change or may not be changing, you can transform, because the grace of God is sufficient for you, too. The sustaining grace of God does not make you perfect, but it does empower you to respond in a Christlike manner. If you do not respond in a Christ-like manner and are not maturing in Christ-likeness, the first place to look is your relationship with God, not what is wrong externally. If you are not changing, growing, maturing in Christ, it's not because the grace of God was inadequate, and it is not because your circumstances are unique Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10 13, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. We do not have a leg to stand on if we are not changing. God's grace is sufficient. It would be a slap in the face of the gospel to say, I can't change. The whole point of the gospel is about transformation. Our inability is why the Savior came to save us from our sins and to begin the restoration process that will eventually fully restore us to him. Paul said it this way in 116 Romans, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. It does not matter if you're living on a rural road, stuck in a double-wide mobile home, or if, if you're sitting in the best gospel-preaching local church in the country. If you want to change, you can, because the, because of the grace of God. It is intellectually dishonest for a professing Christian to say he cannot change and then begin listing the reasons why it's not happening Now, with all that said, and again, the title of the podcast, The Sobering Truth for Why Some People Do Not Change, I want to finish up here with a caution to disciplers everywhere. Dear Discipler, you are not a perfect discipler, and neither am I. There was only one perfect discipler, and you or I are not him. You will make mistakes in your discipling. Your small group leading, your preaching, your counseling. And while I'm not making a case for sloppiness, and I know you're not hearing that, I am making a case for the grace of God. Your job is to water and plant. That's it. And you will do it imperfectly. Your responsibility is to keep on honing your gift, keep sharpening your sword, keep learning, keep changing, keep growing keep on discipling, but never place the burden of change on your shoulders. That is pride. Paul talked about it this way in Corinthians 3. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, But God gave the growth, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the increase. You are not the Messiah. We have one, and it's not you. If you think the burden for change rests on you, I appeal to you to repent, which includes getting out of his way. He is the changer do not allow anyone to place the burden of change on you. Acknowledge your mistakes when you make them. Own your deficiencies and try to learn and grow out of them. Never allow anyone to place their reasons for not changing on you like what Biff did in my fictional illustration. For you, disciple maker, relax. Enjoy what you do. Laugh at yourself do not take yourself seriously as though people's problems rest on your shoulders. It does not. Thank God it cannot. God has given us the grace to help people, but not to change people. You live in His grace. Expect His grace. If a person changes, rejoice and praise God for what He did. If a person does not change, keep on watering. Keep on planting while praying to the Counselor, capital C, asking him to grant the grace they need to change the podcast the sobering truth why some people do not change i do have a call to action here i have four questions i would love for you to jump on this article and and go to the bottom of it and you can use these questions personally and also practically in someone else's life and again i do appeal to you if you want to get deep into the change process get my book change me the ultimate life the ultimate life change handbook